Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The mansions in the Hollywood Hills sit high above the rest of the city. At night, the lights from their balconies and infinity pools dot the landscape. The homes are literally something to look up to. An aspiration. If you drive up one of the winding canyon roads into the hills, you might pass a gated community called The Summit. It's surrounded by tall trees. There's a guardhouse out front. It's one of those developments where rich people live when they want to keep others out. Just past the front gate is a villa with Spanish tile and a courtyard. Inside, there's an airy entryway, sparkling chandeliers, and six bedrooms. But on one night in January 2008, the house is empty. Except for one person. A man named Sam Lutfi. It's not Lutfi's house, though. The house belongs to Britney Spears. At this time, Sam Lutfi is by Britney's side a lot. He goes on errands with her and meetings. He calls himself her manager. He's even moved into a room here at Britney's house. The landline rings and Lutfi answers. It's the front guard. Britney's mom, Lynn, has pulled up and she wants to get past the gate. Behind Lynn, in his pickup truck, is someone Brittany doesn't speak to. He's not allowed in her home. It's her dad, Jamie Spears. Jamie and Lynn are divorced, but they've come together tonight because they're worried about Brittany. They've watched from afar as Brittany has struggled. She's endured a custody battle over her two young sons. She's been ridiculed for her recently shaved head, and she's had her every move documented by the unrelenting paparazzi. But one of Lynn and Jamie's top concerns is Sam Lutfi, the guy who's inside right now. Brittany's parents don't trust Lutfi at all. They think he has a stranglehold over their daughter. Lutfi tells security he'll allow Lynn in, but not Jamie. When Lutfi opens the door, though, they're both there. Jamie has managed to sneak in. Once inside... Brittany's parents realize their daughter isn't even home. Just Lutfi. Jamie is furious. He demands to know where Brittany is. This confrontation is months in the making. On one side is Lynn and Jamie Spears, parents of one of the biggest stars in the world. On the other, Sam Lutfi, a man who's inserted himself into Brittany's life. And tonight is the night they all finally come face to face. The conflict continues for days. There are physical fights, accusations of drugging. It's a tug of war. And the person being grabbed from both ends is Brittany. 
The week culminates with Brittany strapped onto a gurney and sent to the hospital on an involuntary psychiatric hold. While she's stuck there, a flurry of people get to work in lawyers' offices, hotel rooms, and the hospital lobby. Just five days after she's checked in, Brittany's fate is sealed. Her dad, Jamie Spears, is granted control of her legal rights and her massive fortune. Britney Spears has spent most of her life actively working as a world-famous recording artist and performer. Since that night in 2008, she's released four albums, toured the world, and completed one of the most lucrative Vegas residencies of all time. Yet she remains in an arrangement called the conservatorship. Someone else has power over all her life decisions and finances. She can't sign a work contract. She needs approval from her conservator to have visitors to ride in her boyfriend's car, to go off birth control. These constraints are specific to Britney's conservatorship. But in general, conservatorships are extremely restrictive. They're intended as a last resort, to use when someone is so incapacitated that they can't meet their own needs for food or shelter. Britney Spears herself has said in court that she's capable of taking care of her basic needs, that she believes this conservatorship is abusive, and she wants out. So, how did we get here? Why is Britney's father still in charge? Why has he been in charge for so long? Who is profiting from the situation? And why have the insiders been so silent about it? I'm Babs Gray. And I'm Tess Barker. And this is Toxic. We definitely all didn't have our number. One person had our number. So you could tell that there was a sadness that she was trying to communicate. To me, it was very much a rescue operation. A lot of people are wanting villains from this. And I don't think it's as simple as that. Guardianship and conservatorship are really like a nuclear option. Like you press a button and just everything's gone. Everybody in the system denies that the system is dysfunctional. How do you know who to listen to or who to trust or how do you... See, that's the thing. You never know. In this podcast, we'll delve into how Brittany got into this situation and why, 13 years later, she's still in it. And we'll investigate the flawed system that's allowed this to happen to Brittany and countless others right under our noses. Entrance. Oh, wrong button. Please wait. Okay, we know how to do this. That's me, Babs, pressing the wrong button. It's June 2021, and I'm entering a parking lot at the Stanley Moss Courthouse in downtown Los Angeles. Welcome. I just saw a girl with pink hair. <laughs> Assuming she's here for the same reason as us. <laughs> and that's me, Tess. Babs and I, along with, presumably, that girl with the pink hair, are Britney Spears fans. I've spent a lot of nights dancing to Britney. Many of them have been in Babs' living room. Truly, there is just nothing better than throwing an epic rager at your house and just at the right moment, you drop 
till the world ends and everyone just goes off. Beyond house parties, Babs and I have listened to Britney on road trips. We've seen her live in concert. If I had to choose a favorite pop star, it'd be Britney. She's probably the only person who loves coffee more than me. She's the reason I still wear Uggs. But really, our love of Britney's boots and bops is not why we schlepped to the courthouse for her hearing today. We're here because, for a while now, we've been consumed by questions about Britney's conservatorship. And we've been here many times, searching for answers. The Stanley Mosque Courthouse is a dingy government building. The kind you don't notice until you have some reason to show up there. There's usually litter blowing around out front. Buses pulling their air brake. People waiting to get through the security line. But today, it's more colorful than usual. There's shocks of pink on sunglasses, tank tops, posters. There's an electricity in the air. And a bigger crowd than we've ever seen here. Because today, Brittany Jean Spears herself has asked to address the court about her conservatorship. We really don't know what she's going to say, or if we'll even be allowed to hear it at all. We spot homemade signs that read, Attention Jamie Spears! Get out of Britney's life. And where is Britney's money? People dressed in pleather pants and old Britney concert tees circle up. Got some cheering going on. Free Britney! When do we want it? Now! Free Britney! When do we want it? Now! What do we want? Free Britney! When do we want it? Now! Thank you everyone for coming today. I am so proud of this movement. This is Kevin Wu, an organizer of the Free Britney movement. Kevin holds a microphone and stands in front of a huge pink Free Britney backdrop. How much do we love Britney Spears? We're going to keep fighting until Britney is free. So we hope that Britney feels empowered to speak her truth. This is Britney's first time addressing the court in two years. But there are hearings for her case pretty regularly. For a long time, they happened quietly, and almost no one showed up to watch. But since 2019, there have been rallies like this one outside. These rallies feel kind of like you're at a pride parade. But instead of rainbow flags, there's blown-up photos of legal documents. The organizers pass out water, fruit snacks, and homemade rose pens. A nod to Brittany's love of roses, and a way to show support for her. And there's usually press with their recorders and cameras. Hi. Hi. I just recognize you. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm from German public media, actually. It's like German NPR. Oh, cool. Basically, would you be open to answer some questions? Yeah, sure. These reporters flag Babs and I down for questions because, well, we kind of helped kick this whole free Britney thing off. Yeah, we'll tell you how that all happened a little later. It's pretty wild. But for now, we want to check in with some of the supporters here at the rally today. People who've flown in from all over the country. People like Dustin from Arizona. Can you tell me about your uh, your outfit today? Um, I have a little baby one more time wig going on. My conservatorship equals slavery shirt. And uh, my sign, my Britney sign. Dustin's been a regular at these rallies for a while now. He's known to show up with a gigantic 20-foot-long banner that reads, End the Conservatorship. The first few rallies, Dustin hauled that banner to L.A. on a Greyhound bus. Can I ask you what you're hoping to happen? I'm hoping Britney gets free, finally. I'm hoping we get some more info about, you know, when the conservatorship is finally going to end. As you might expect, the Free Britney movement is full of superfans. 
and I mean super fans. I thought I was a big fan of Britney until I ran into this crew. I mean, these are the kinds of fans who, they don't just know the choreography from the music video. No, they know the choreography from the tour, from every single tour. But free Britney supporters also include people who don't even necessarily listen to Britney's music. There's disability rights activists who see Britney's situation as a civil liberties issue. Legislators who are interested in conservatorship reform. And lawyers like Lisa McCarley a probate attorney who we've spoken with quite a bit over the last couple years. I've done my hair today. I love you guys so much. Aww, <laughs> I actually did my hair and makeup. So, I know, yeah, we're, like, we're all getting ready to go to So how do you feel about today? Well, I'm excited and, of course, a little anxious. A lot rides today. So if she says something like, um, I want to have an attorney of my own choice, it's a whole new world for Britney Spears. Britney has not had an attorney of her own choice for the past 13 years. She was assigned one by the court. His name is Sam Ingham. And even though Britney didn't hire Ingham, she is the one who pays him. According to court documents, Ingham routinely bills Britney's account $10,000 a week. And I gotta say, if I was paying 10k a week to an attorney... I wouldn't want it to be Sam Ingham. The law states that he's supposed to be Britney's zealous advocate, someone who vigorously champions their clients' interests. We know Britney has objected to the conservatorship for years. But Ingham, as Britney's representative in court, has never asked the judge to end it. Today is a big deal because Britney barely ever attends these court dates. And when she has, her testimony has been sealed. We haven't been able to see or hear what she said. We're worried that even if Britney speaks her truth today, it will again be sealed from public view and swept under the rug. It's 2.05 p.m. 35 minutes passed when Britney's hearing was scheduled to start. The court is having technical difficulties, like usual. A few Free Britney people huddle around a phone, tapped into the public audio feed of the hearing. Britney and her lawyers are calling in remotely. Tess and a few other reporters are inside the courtroom to observe. I'm standing around outside with the rest of the crowd. They did roll call, so usually goes, they do roll call, and then they'll decide if they're closing it, so they might still close it after They might this. close it, and then we wouldn't be able to hear yeah. it. But we'll, so we'll see. We'll know soon. A Free Britney supporter we're friendly with Meg Radford gets our attention. She's officially on the hearing. So they're just starting it. They still could close it from here, but we know she's on the line. I make my way over to the people listening in. Everyone's squished together, almost arm in arm. Okay, so everyone's like crowded around one phone trying to listen in to the hearing right now. Let me see if I can get anything. Oh, they're clo- they're trying to close the hearing. Wait, what happened? They were trying to close the courtroom. Brittany herself spoke up and said she wanted it open. Good. Yes! Yes! Oh my god! Oh my god! That's, that's a big win. Brittany said she has a lot to say. She said she doesn't think she's ever been heard before. 
She's doing it. Okay, so I have this written down. I have a lot to say, so um, bear with me. Uh, basically, a lot has happened since two years ago, the last time I wrote all this down. Um, the last time I was in court. I will be honest with you, I haven't been back to court in a long time because I don't think I was heard on any level when I came to court the last time. Ma'am, my dad and anyone involved in this conservatorship and my management who played a huge role in punishing at me when I said, no ma'am, they should be in jail. They're cool On June 23rd, 2021, Brittany publicly spoke out about her conservatorship for the first time, about how she saw it as abusive, controlling, and something akin to sex trafficking. This was a moment 13 years in the making, a moment, honestly, we didn't think we'd ever get to see. Tess and I have been investigating Brittany's story for over two years. On the day of this hearing, we were weeks away from publishing the first episode of this podcast, an episode in which we wondered, why has Brittany been so silent? And then she spoke. She answered that question. Her silence has been the result of years of intimidation, gaslighting, manipulation. But even after hearing Brittany's explosive testimony, we're still wondering, how has this gone on for so long? Why did it happen in the first place? These questions have been haunting us. This podcast has taken over our lives. And the thing is, we didn't choose this story. So much as it kind of chose us. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Before we were neck deep in Britney's legal case, Tess and I were just a couple of young comedians. We actually met doing stand-up. When you first start doing comedy, you'll do it anywhere. Dive bars that pay you in drink tickets, house shows that turn into house parties. Comedy can be kind of a boys club. So Tess and I bonded quickly. We were in the trenches together. They were really fun trenches, though. If you want to know anything about the specific time that we actually met, uh, the brain cells containing that information probably are somewhere off the 101 where they were burned <laughs> on PBR and Doritos. <laughs> As is custom when you commence a friendship in L.A., we started a podcast. Lady to Lady, with our other bestie, Brandy Posey. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Come on, we had to do it. <laughs> Tess and I just kind of became each other's partners in crime, you know? Like, if I was looking for someone to go all in on a stupid idea, Tess was the first person I called. Oh, yeah. When I need someone who's not going to tell me no, I call Babs. Let me tell you what. I have not told Tess no many, many times. We just have a laundry list of shenanigans. We've gotten kicked out of the Chateau Marmont. We've been banned from the mall for dancing in the fountain. We've pulled all-nighters sewing sequins onto rip-away sweatpants. We just find joy in committing to our most ridiculous ideas. It's kind of our style of comedy and how we live our lives in general. 
And that's why in 2017, when Babs suggested to me that we start a podcast based solely on our favorite pop stars Instagram posts, uh, we were recording it the next week. Hello, welcome to Britney's Gram. Oh my God, the happiest, happiest place, place on, on the, the internet. internet. <laughs> I'm Tess Barker. I am Barbara Gray. Thank you for joining us. Every week on Britney's Gram, we dissect Britney's iconic Instagram posts to the point of absurdity. Her fashion shows, her skits, oh, and her singing videos. Oh, here we go. Let's hear it. <laughs> I mean, so she's wearing a sports bra and the smallest pair of boxer shorts I've ever seen. Again, I, my- this, is, this is a trick that I loved when I was in junior high. So <laughs> wear a pair of boxers and roll down the bottom so that they're sluttier. I will say this is Brittany at her most natural. Brittany's singing <laughs> right. in boxers with a filter on. That is who she is to her core. And that's what Brittany's gram was. A fun place for Babs and I to digest all of Brittany's Instagram posts. Our fans were just as devoted to deciphering her feed as we were. We even had a voicemail inbox where listeners could leave their most pressing opinions. What's up, Brittany bitches? Um, just listening to the latest episode on my way to work, and I have a wild conspiracy theory, and I have not researched this, which is exactly what Brittany would do. Um, what if the emojis were like tags? I don't know. I think the emojis could be a secret shout out. It makes less sense the more I say it out loud, but but I think it I think it is a theory. Hey guys, I love the podcast. Um, Brittany just posted an image, and I just have four words to say about this new Minions meme that she's posted. This is our Chernobyl. Bye guys. When we started Britney's Gram, no one was really talking about Britney's conservatorship. As fans, we were aware it existed, but we didn't know the specifics. Sometimes we would wonder if her posts were trying to tell us something about the restrictions in her life. For example, in late 2017, Britney posted a meme saying, let me shop and no one gets hurt, with the caption, story of my life, literally. Was this her inner soccer mom or a statement about how she didn't control her own money? We started to get a little obsessed Our text threads went from combos about Britney's emoji choices to screenshots of court documents. I called the National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse. They told me that when someone is conserved, they legally become unpersoned. Honestly, I was floored that this level of control could happen to anyone in America, much less my favorite artist. I mean, I'd seen Britney five times in concert. And each time, she'd literally leapt through fire or repelled off some giant set piece. So you're telling me that someone who could do those things couldn't be trusted with her own personal life? Oh yeah, by the way, in addition to slinging jokes, I'm also a writer and reporter. And I've done investigative pieces in the past. I got this feeling I had stumbled onto something big here. About a year after our first Britney's Graham episode, Tess took it to a whole other level. She went to her first Britney hearing in November 2018. We recorded a Britney's Graham episode later that day, and our friend Chris Farah joined us. So basically, there's been 
goings on mm-hmm. with the conservatorship and uh, yes. Tess found out that there was a hearing today <gasps> at, at the courthouse <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> And she showed, she showed up. up. Yes, I did. It was at 10 o'clock in the morning. I got oh. to court at 9 because I didn't want to miss it. Oh, um, no, my I put on like a court outfit. My husband was like, you're out of your fucking mind. I was like, <laughs> I'm in this weird Venn diagram where I'm a Britney obsessed, like trained investigative reporter. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I know how to get mm-hmm. information out of courthouse. I go in and I just sit down and like the bailiff and the clerk like kind of look at me and they just like keep working. <laughs> no big deal. But these days we know the bailiff by his first name. What's up, Caesar? But this was Tess's first day in court, and she came face-to-face with the other guy who controlled all of Britney's money, Andrew Wallet. He was co-conservator of Britney's estate, along with her dad, Jamie. At this point, Andrew Wallet and Jamie Spears had controlled Britney's wealth for over a decade. And not just the big stuff. They monitored Britney's little expenses, too, down to Pottery Barn purchases and Starbucks runs. And at this court hearing... Wallet asked the judge to be paid even more. Uh, but yeah, so he uh, he was granted the, his petition and he will be getting a raise. He's, so this is him getting like half a million dollar half a year. Million raise. Dollars a year. This motherfucker has just been attached to Britney Spears. I mean, who knows how Jamie found him? This guy's salary suddenly goes up from at least $85,000 to just over $420,000. Yeah, Wallet is controlling Britney's bank account and he's paying himself from Britney's bank account. And the whole hearing only takes about 15 minutes. It just feels wrong. Watching Wallet smugly saunter through the hallway after they're done, I'm pissed. And I think he can tell. The whole time, this Andrew Wallet guy is just mad dogging me. He's just <laughs> staring at me. And I'm staring right back at him. So that was my morning. And I just want to say, I did, um, somebody today asked me what outlet I wrote for. And I said... I have an investigative podcast. Yeah. Ooh, I said that I, with a straight face. I said I have an investigative podcast. <laughs> yeah, you well, you, to be fair, you do. <laughs> to be clear, we had no clue that our silly comedy podcast would turn into this. Toxic. An actual investigative podcast. But in a weird way, it seems like forces did collide to bring us this story. Right around this time, after the wallet hearing... When we're already watching everything like a hawk, mysterious stuff keeps happening to Britney. The beginning of 2019 was just thing after thing. Her Instagram posts are getting randomly deleted. Out of nowhere, Britney cancels her new upcoming Las Vegas residency and announces she's taking an indefinite work hiatus. And then, two days later, she disappears entirely from public sight. No Instagram posts, no paparazzi sightings, Nothing. We are coming up on the month anniversary of when we last spotted Brittany. Oh my God. The last time we saw her at In-N-Out was on January 7th. We've not seen the bitch for a month. Where is he? Never in my life has she been this off the radar. Then Andrew Wallet abruptly resigns as co-conservator of Brittany's estate. Tess had watched Wallet get a giant raise only six months ago. And now he's out? His resignation letter to the judge is ominous, too. It says that harm could come to Brittany if he doesn't leave right away. At this point, we're on edge. And so are the rest of Brittany's fans. A missing person poster with Brittany's face makes the rounds on Twitter. It reads, last seen January 6th, near In-N-Out, driving a white Mercedes-Benz. 
In April 2019, nearly three months after there's been any sign of her, the news breaks. Brittany is in a mental health facility. Reports say she's been there for a week, and she checked herself in. This sets off alarm bells for multiple reasons. Obviously, we're worried about Brittany and want her to be getting help if she needs it, but is that what's happening? Something just feels off. She's supposedly been there for a week, but nobody has seen her for months. The following Thursday, I'm up late editing Brittany's gram. I check our inbox for listener voicemails to use, and I notice one that's longer than the others. Hi there. Um, I cannot disclose who I am. Um, I just heard the latest episode. You guys are onto something. Um, I used to be a paralegal for an attorney that worked um, with Britney's conservatorship. I'm no longer with them. Um, and what is happening is disturbing, to say the least. Brittany has been in the mental facility since mid-January. Um, of course, the, the, the statement yesterday said she entered last week. That is not true. She's been in there since mid-January. Uh, she did not want to go. But what I understand, this was uh, not a decision she made at all. So, according to this paralegal in an office connected to Brittany's case, she had been in the mental health facility for months against her will. This voicemail validated our fears. Brittany was in a scary situation, and she didn't have a choice in it. This was the first time someone with insider knowledge contacted us and told us we were onto something. But it wouldn't be the last. We needed to figure out what to do with this bomb that had suddenly been dropped in our laps. We wanted to play the voicemail on Britney's gram, but we were terrified. What if Britney's team denied it? What if they sued us? We asked the paralegal for proof of where he worked. He sent us documentation, and we continued having follow-up conversations with him, asking more details about him and what he knew. We felt confident he was telling the truth, and we wanted the world to hear what he had to say. So, we sat down to record episode 75 of Britney's Grimm. Uh This is this is a big deal, guys. I hope that wherever you are, you're somewhere that you're able to receive some big information and feel a lot of things and have your mind blown. We titled it Hashtag Free Britney and released it in the middle of the night. We figured that way it would reach enough corners of the internet by dawn, and then there would be no stopping it. Along with it, we posted a pink graphic with white text that said Free Britney, hoping other people would share. I hardly slept. By morning, the episode link and pink graphic tile were virtually plastered everywhere. What really took it to the next level was when Lynn Spears showed her support. Entertainment Tonight made a segment about it. Someone wrote on her Instagram post, quote, I really hope your ailing ex-husband isn't keeping your daughter somewhere against her will. Well, Lynn actually liked the comment. She also liked several others that included the hashtag FreeBritney. The daytime talk show, The Talk, also talked about it. One of the hosts, Eve, wore a shirt with that same graphic I had made myself that said, Free Britney. Well, what's good about this, this Free Britney campaign that's out, and I love that shirt, Yay! Eve got that shirt on! Yeah, 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 I love about this is that it's bringing awareness so that if something shady is right. happening, something not right, then at least now eyeballs... We felt this incredible momentum, like we weren't alone. 
the world cared about what was going on with Britney Spears. A fan organized a rally outside of City Hall in West Hollywood, LA's biggest gay neighborhood. We were interviewed at the rally by an Entertainment Tonight reporter covering it. Um, guys, we have a very large group back here. They're very passionate. Um, uh, Barbara, if you if you could say one thing to Britney Spears right now, what would you say? I would say uh, we love you and we believe you. The whole reason we decided to put out that Britney's Graham episode was we hoped that the public pressure would shake things up. And it seemed to work. The day after that first rally, a new hearing was set in Britney's case. And then Britney's mom, Lynn, asked to be an interested party on the case. That means she'd get to add her input in court. This had never happened in the history of the conservatorship. It had always been just Jamie calling the shots. Change seemed to be brewing. And less than a month after we dropped that podcast episode, Brittany showed up in court. In a closed hearing, she confirmed what the paralegal said about her stay in the mental health facility, that she'd been sent there against her will. Observers weren't allowed inside the hearing, but I did see Brittany after it was over. She was being ushered onto an escalator by security. She was wearing a black turtleneck and a red skirt. She looked anxious, like the rest of the people in and out of the courthouse on any day of the week. But she was Britney Spears, and this was the closest I'd ever been to her. All of a sudden, things felt very real, and way bigger than me and Tess, bigger than Britney's Graham. In the last two years since we published that voicemail, we've learned a lot about Britney and the super complicated legal situation she's in. One that a lot of people are in. One that you could be in. We've talked to people who've been there through some of the most public moments of Britney's life. And some who've been there for the quiet ones, too. Reporting on this story has changed the way we view the legal system, mental health care, the entertainment industry. There is no one villain, no convenient scapegoat. This isn't just a story about a girl named Brittany. It's a story about the people on the ends of the rope. The people tugging on her. Who've been tugging on her. And seem to be holding on for dear life. We're here to shine a light on those people. We want to tell this story so that everyone can finally know what we know. And what we don't know. This season on Toxic. The Britney Spears conservatorship is one of those things that when lawyers get together, we all go, what the frick? <laughs> like, what? Now, with probate conservatorship, that can last for a lifetime. I think the problem with this is that it's like never... I mean, personally, this is not something I never wanted to do. For all of the times that she came to the studio and for all of the people that came along with her, I don't remember seeing her dad. I don't think I've ever met her dad. How do you know that Jamie's acting in Britney Spears' best interest? You don't. You don't. Next time, 
we journey back to the era of cucumber melon body splash and dial-up internet. And we talk to someone who knew Brittany before she was Miss American Dream. We had a classmate who would sit in the school bus and sing songs from the show she was understudying in at the top of her lungs. And I realized many years later that that was actually Britney Spears. A huge thank you to our production team at Witness Docs. We have the amazing senior producer, Abigail Keel, producer Kevin K. Tidmarsh, story editor Gianna Palmer, executive producer Camille Stanley, and head of content Peter Clowney. Casey Holford is the technical director for Witness Docs. He mixed this episode and composed the amazing original music for Toxic. Zoe Schwab is our researcher extraordinaire. Fact-checking by Anakwa Dwamana. Special thanks to Leanne Simmons and Junior Olivas of the Free Britney Movement. And special thanks to Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Toxic is written and hosted by me, Tess Barker. And me, Babs Gray. Got a tip? Email the show at britneypod at stitcher.com and don't forget to follow us on social at Britneysgram. Make sure you subscribe to Toxic the Britney Spears Story in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And go ahead, leave us a review. Say something nice, please. <laughs> <laughs>